Welcome. We're continuing our study of Galatians, and we're in chapter 1, uh, verses 11 through 24 this morning, or today. And uh, so how about we just go and uh, dive into the Word and read the Word together, and then get into our study. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former ways of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church, and I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond my contemporaries, among my people, because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the brother of our Lord. I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterwards, I went up to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Lord God, we come to you. And uh, we just praise you for who you are and for what you've done. And we praise you because you, as we see, are going to see today that you worked in a mighty way in a man's life and totally transformed him and actually totally transformed the world through the work that he was doing, Lord. And the same power that brought Saul into your family is the same power that works in us today. And we are blessed and we, we praise you for that. And we come in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in the book of Galatians again, and uh, we're going to be here for a few more weeks, and we're finishing up chapter one this morning. And what we want to kind of pull from today, pull from, from this section of scripture, is as we look at Paul's testimony, Jesus can break through any time, anywhere, and through anything. Uh, Jesus can even work in the midst of a real mess. Uh, maybe you feel like your, your life is a mess right now. I can totally understand that. Jesus can work through that. Maybe you feel like someone else's life is a mess. Uh, someone around you, maybe in a f- uh, family or a coworker or, or just someone that you know. Jesus can still work through that. And Jesus can also work through your enemies in a time where we are divided like no other time in, in my lifetime and maybe your lifetime. Jesus can still work through and break through that division. And this is what we're going to see in the testimony of Paul. Uh, Paul's message, uh, the churches that he planted in Galatia were being influenced and and were basically saying that the Judaizers who were coming up, we talked about them over the last couple weeks, Judaizers, they were coming in with a Jesus plus message. Well, you can accept Jesus as your savior, but you have to follow these rules. You have to be circumcised. You have to do all of these laws. We're rolling out the scrolls at your feet and you follow all of these things that we've been following all our lives. And then you can have a relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, Paul got a message. Paul was 
taught by these other apostles. Paul received a message, and then he's gone out, and he's forgotten some things. He hasn't, he hasn't preached to you a complete message of salvation, so we are here to fix that. We are here to fix that. And, and Paul says right at the beginning of this passage, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by the revelation of Jesus Christ. I received this message through Jesus Christ. And these other, uh, these other Judaizers, the other, the other, these other teachers were, were coming and saying, he has not given you the full truth. We want to give you a full, full truth of Jesus plus some other things. Well, since Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's plans, uh, I'm not sure that it's wise for us to try to add anything on top of that, whether it's stuff from the past. These are all the requirements that we have to follow, that we've been following, and you need to follow them as well, or even stuff in the future. These are some new things. If you really want to be a part of the church, if you really want to be a very spiritual person, then you have to do these things. You have to act in this exact way. Uh, you have to speak these things, and uh, you have to do it our way or it's not right. And this is what Paul is pushing back against. Paul spends this portion of scripture giving his testimony. He says, again, again, verse 13, for you have heard about my former way of life. I've told you this. You know this. I've revealed this to you. This is part of my story. This is part of what Jesus has done for me. You've heard this. And again, for uh, I, I'm bringing this back to you. You have heard about my former way in, the, in, in Judaism how I intensely persecuted the church and I tried to destroy it. The thing that God was building, I was actively trying to destroy. And I was a Jew among Jews. I was a philosopher. I was a Pharisee. I kept all the laws. I kept all the regulations, all the rules. This is my story. This is my story. And then Jesus appeared to me. And then Jesus welcomed me into his family. And I saw Jesus for who he was. And Paul concludes that through all of it, he's recognizing the position that God has placed him in. I am an apostle, like all the other apostles, and they sat at Jesus' feet. And I'm going to show you that, that I sat at Jesus' feet as well, and I'm not just coming in with one who's, who's relaying a message just from some other men. I'm coming to show you that I've, I've been giving you a message that has come from Jesus Christ himself. And so he's not going to deny, and he's not going to downplay. Oh, yeah, um, you know, I am really just sub um, par. You really should go and listen to these other guys. Uh, he's not going to downplay his apostleship, but he's also not going to hype himself up as the, 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 the spiritual Christian, the, the, the super Christian, that he's got it all together. In fact, uh, he says when he writes his letter to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. I'm the worst of them. I still struggle. I still struggle in my faith. And so we're not going to do an, an all-inclusive study of Paul's life um, during our time together. I would suggest you look at some resources uh, like a book called The New Testament in Its World or, or find a commentary on Paul or just go back to the book of Acts, the, the story in Acts, and, and look at the timeline and look at the power of Paul's story. But today we want to we show just how deep grace can go. We want to show just how powerful the grace that comes from Jesus Christ can be and how deep it can go. And so Paul, he's going to speak about his pre-conversion, 
He's going to speak about his conversion. He's going to speak about his post-conversion and the work that he has for the church. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted the church. I tried to destroy it. I was zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Paul was a man on a destructive mission. And we do see this, we do see this in the book of Acts. Um, when you think about someone who's caused you intense pain, your, your first thought is probably not, oh boy, God is really going to do something special through them. No, your first thought is, oh my gosh, God strike them down. And the church, the church at that time, as Paul was persecuting them, I'm sure in their minds they were not thinking, oh God, go out and bless him. That, that, that guy, Saul, uh, which was uh, his, his Jewish name, that guy, Saul, yeah, we, we hope that you go and bless him, Lord. No, they were, they were scared of him. Paul was there when Stephen was stoned, when, when Stephen was martyred, and when the crowd picked up stones to, to, to throw at Stephen. Saul agreed with him, it says in Acts 8, Saul agreed with putting him to death. It doesn't say that he was actually throwing the stones, he was keeping himself clean, but he was in agreement with the others who were throwing the stones at Stephen. And the, the, it says that the church was scattered that day, except for the apostles in Jerusalem, but the, the rest of the church was scattered by persecution that day. He dragged Christians to prison. Acts 8 also says, Saul, however, went ravaging, uh, was ravaging the church. He entered house after house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. Paul threw his support behind the death of Christians. Acts 26 says this, I actually did this in Jerusalem. I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority. I'd been given permission to do this. Go out, drag them out, bring them in, take them to prison. I'd been given authority to do this from the chief priest. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. As they were being dragged off to the gallows or to another form of torture and execution, I was there applauding on the sidelines, saying, yes, way to go. These guys need to be put down. We need to get rid of this movement. Paul was, was convinced that destroying the church was God's call on his life. In verse 14, it says that I was zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. He wasn't just following the Old Testament laws. He was following all the extra rules and regulations that had been built on, on top of that over the years. And he said, I did it all. I did it all. I kept it all. I was faithful in the traditions of our ancestors. And part of that was recognizing that this new movement following this, this false Messiah, uh, it had to go. Paul was a violent guy, violent in his heart, even violent in his actions before he met Jesus as his savior. He may have been thinking, you know what? I really want to model myself after one of my heroes. And he may have been thinking like of people like Elijah, the prophet Elijah, who had a powerful ministry, was led by God to do some powerful things. Elijah was a man of fire. Uh, he called down fire on soldiers sent to seize him in, in 2 Kings 1. Uh, he called down fire on the, the prophets of Baal when they were offering uh, the, the sacrifices on Mount Carmel. Uh, he called down fire on the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, he Elijah would have been feared by those who were, who were um, worshiping idols. 
and not worshiping uh, the Lord God. He was, he was feared by those because the power of God was, was in him. And Paul may have seen himself as in the same line as someone like Elijah. I'm doing righteous work. I, I, am, I am, am doing this for, the, for God and for his glory. And, and Paul is an example of a, a sincerely misdirected man. This is how my heroes did it. This is how my heroes worked. And so this is what I'm going to do as well. He sincerely believes that he is taking the right path. And then he is confronted by the truth, literally Jesus right in front of him. And we see that his conversion is, is God's work of grace. It is totally a God thing. In, in verse 15, it says, But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart, called me by his grace, was pleased... When it was his time, uh, he revealed his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone else. We see here this word, but. Here's, here's, I'm zealous for the traditions. I'm following the rules. I'm following the laws. I'm following all the stuff that's been handed down to me. But, but, and here we see this as a transition word. He's, he's painting a picture of what uh, he had in the past to what God was doing, how God was going to break through uh, in, in the future in his life. It's, it's often used as a transition word in the scriptures about being in two different states or, or, or seeing an outcome and then having something happen. We, we would say something like this in, in our day. We would say, hey, the other team, the other team that I'm against, the, the one that I don't like, they scored a touchdown, but... There was a flag on the play, and so it gets pulled back, and now my team has a, another shot at this thing. Uh, you, you know, you may say something like, I've got injured, like I got hit in the face with a ball, but nothing was broken. Nothing was broken. So I got, I got injured, but then really nothing really serious happened, and I was blessed in that. I was on the verge of losing it. I was on the verge of giving up, but then God kept me alive. God pulled me out of that situation. But is a word of rescue and a change in our, in our situation. Uh, Titus 3, again, Paul writes this. For we were too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, uh, hateful and detesting one another. That's where we were. That was our state. But... But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared... He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. God is intimately involved in a rescue mission for us, for us. God is involved in a rescue mission for us. And here we see in, in Paul's, Paul's words that his conversion involved God's eternal planning. God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace. Paul understands that God has a plan for his people. When he, when he calls, he has a plan for his people. He has, he has chosen us as a people uh, for himself, set apart um, by this eternal, sovereign God who has a gracious plan. And think about how Paul words this transition. God knew him from his mother's womb. Before he was born, God knew him. God already had something planned for him. So Paul is talking about his religious zeal in the past, and he's re recognizing, he's recognizing that all of that was rebellion against God for years and years and years. And during that time of rebellion, God had remained patient with him, 
even through that, when he was destroying that which was God, God was building up. Do you see that God is patient with you as well? Do you see that? Do you feel that? That God is patient with you? No matter what we do, uh, God is still very patient with his, his creation. And he's just waiting for people to come and, and accept that free gift that, that he has offered to them. That where he has stirred their hearts, he's waiting for people to accept that free gift, that calling. It, it, his conversion involved God's gracious calling. God's call is an action call. When God does something, it means there's action that follows. God says, let there be light. And what happens? Does it stay dark? No, no, no. Boom, there is light. Jesus says to the waves, he's in the boat and the waves are crashing all around him. He says, be still. What happens? Do the waves keep crashing? No. The seas are calm. Jesus calls Lazarus out of his tomb. His buddy Lazarus has died and is in the tomb. And, and Jesus says, come forth, Lazarus, come out of it. Jesus didn't have to go into the tomb to do CPR. And he did not have to take Lazarus and prop him up at weekend like at Bernie's and walk him out of the tomb. No, Jesus says, come out of the tomb. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. Jesus' words bring life. Jesus' calling brings life. And if you are a Christian, maybe at some point in time, you sense God's call in your life and you felt the weight of that. There may not have been fireworks or bells and whistles or, or anything that you would consider special during that time, but you may have felt the weight of that calling because God's call is a call that moves, that has purpose, that has power, that has weight and glory behind it. God called me by his grace, Paul says. Even though in Paul's mind what he was doing was God's plan, it was not a good plan. It was not following God. And God did not strike him down. He says, God showed me grace. God did not strike me down on that road. He did not end me on that road saying, you know what? You've gone too far. That last house you went to, that, was the, that, that broke the straw for me. That was the last straw for me. And now, Paul, you're done. Boom, I'm gonna just kind of take you out of here. No, he says, I've, I've been with you. I've been watching you. I, I'm, I'm, I still have, I've had this plan for you. And no, you've been walking in the wrong, the wrong direction. Boom, I'm still coming to you offering free grace. And he doesn't just come and say, okay, now you're, you're, you're good, and uh, uh, you know, just kind of do what you want to do. He says, no, and, and here is your plan. Here is your purpose. I want you on the team, and I've got a big mission for you. I've got a big mission for you. He says in verse 16, to reveal his son, his son has been revealed in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I have a purpose and I have a plan. His conversion involves seeing the glory of Christ, seeing Christ for who he was. Paul had his eyes opened literally to the wonderful reality of Jesus Christ as our crucified, risen, and now reigning Savior. Paul knew the teachings of the church, and this is why he was railing against them. You're following a Messiah who was crucified. That's a curse. That was a curse. He was hung on a tree. He is cursed. How can you follow that, that false Messiah? And then Christ, the Messiah, was revealed to him. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. We see God because we have seen Jesus. We see God because we know who Jesus is. Paul was spiritually blind um, to who Christ was. 
and, and we once were spiritually blind as well. And so it should be our duty, actually, as we're thinking about who is the one, who is the one that you're inviting, who is the one that you're praying for, who is the one that needs to see Jesus' um, glory revealed to them? Are we praying for that? Are we praying that, Lord, this person here who I'm, who I'm dedicating in prayer, Lord, reveal yourself in a mighty way. Not just praying that, Lord, we hope that they change your ways. We hope that they change their ways. We hope that they come to, to faith in you. No, Jesus, reveal yourself to them. Show yourself in a mighty way in their lives so they have no other option but to bow at your feet and say, yes, I, I know I need a Savior. I know I need a Savior. And we see in his post-conversion in this scripture that he, he was faithful. We see his faithfulness to Jesus Christ and his calling he was called to preach to the Gentiles, and he did not immediately consult with anyone. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Um, so we see Paul recognizes that, that he has received the gospel message of Christ. Christ is in me. He has the power of the Spirit. He's now moving the power of the Spirit, and it's his job to then go and, and share that with others, to make that known with others. Here is his purpose. Here is his call. G, uh, Christ did not call him for, for nothing. Christ said, no, here is your purpose, that you could preach to the Gentiles. His conversion didn't just bring benefit for himself. Now you are secure. Now you are saved. Now you are in my family. No, now your job is to go out and bring others in as well. Make others aware of, of who I am, this gift that I've given you, what it's all about, what it means to accept this free gift of salvation, that is your call. And he was called to preach among the Gentiles. He says, you've been told that I'm preaching a false message. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. My message actually comes straight from Jesus himself. And let me give you a little history about where I've been and what I've gone to, gone through. After I had encountered Jesus on the road, I went to Damascus. I didn't even go back to Jerusalem to, to, to dive into that community to start my ministry. That's, that's where ministry really starts, right? You go back and you're commissioned by the church in Jerusalem, and then you can start to, to go out and, and um and preach. No, 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 I didn't even do that. I went to Arabia. I went to Arabia. I think what he's saying here is I fashioned myself as like that of an early uh, prophet, like Elijah, and I was zealous for my cause and ready to do anything for it. And so that's, that's the road I was heading down. I had zeal and passion for this. And now I've been giving a new message, a new, a, 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 uh, a new mission. And like Elijah, I was stopped in my tracks, literally on the road, I was stopped in my tracks. And what did Elijah do? Elijah went back to Mount Sinai to meet with God and hear a fresh calling from him, hear that fresh word from him. And just like Elijah, I went back to Mount Sinai to, to, to just sit and, and pray and, and commune with God and take in what has happened to me. He says, when I go to Arabia, that's, that's, that's code for, yeah, that's where Mount Sinai is. And so I, I set myself up like that, where I saw Elijah stopped in his tracks. I too needed to stop in my tracks and, and be taught and trained. And, and a lot of people say that during that three years that he mentions, that he was actually being taught and trained by, by Jesus himself, being able to sit at Jesus' feet, being able to sit there and, and hear um, about what it means to, to be transformed, what it means to then walk and follow Jesus. Just like the other apostles had spent three years following Jesus, this was a seal for Paul on his apostleship. Yes, I, I am included in this group of leaders who are, who are carrying forth the message of Jesus Christ. He's probably on his own. It was a training time for him. 
but he also spent time doing his work. And he, had, he eventually did. He, he had opportunities to meet with other leaders of the church. And he, it says that he meet, met with Peter, who was called Cephas in this passage. And uh, it says he also met with the brother of Jesus, who is James, who, who by the way, was also a, a, someone who did not accept the Messiah until he actually had an encounter with his risen Savior, his brother, uh, after he was raised from the dead. And so it says that Paul could say that he received his calling, he received his marching orders from Jesus. He preached his message, and then it was fully confirmed when he did finally meet with the other leaders. This is what I've been doing. This is what I've been preaching. This is what I've been teaching. And as we got together to compare notes, we're like, yeah, we are all on the same page. This is all truth being revealed by Jesus through us and through you. There's no way that he made up what he had been given, uh, what he had given to the Galatians church. There's no way that he made that story up. We see that God's transforming grace is amazing. It's amazing in Paul's life. And he, he says this in 2 Corinthians 5.18, everything is from God. Everything comes from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us, given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us purpose and a plan and, and something to go do to help uh, his help kingdom growth. And I find this so comforting for myself personally. God did the initiating. Jesus made the sacrifice, and we've been given now a vision and a goal to walk in. We've been given a road now, a path, a clear path to, to walk down. We are not wandering around on our own. God has said, no, here it is. You received the gift. Now go give that gift to others. Paul's own story is quite amazing. Paul was a, fan, uh, a phonetic um, um, and he was headed in the wrong direction. He was a fanatic headed in the wrong direction. Uh, during his conversion, we see that God's glory and grace was on display. And then after that, we see Paul is a, a faithful preacher, a, a proclaimer of Jesus Christ and, and going out into all the world to, to share that good news that he had received himself. And Paul tells us that one of the results of that is the other followers of Jesus were amazed by his conversion. I remain personally unknown to the Judean church. Hey, I didn't go back to Jerusalem. I didn't spend all my time in Jerusalem. Uh, but they, they simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They saw that this was good. They saw that this was too true. They saw that this was right. They saw that we were all in line. And they glorified God because of the grace that he had shown even to someone like me. Paul's story tells us that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. There's no one who can't be included in the kingdom of God, and this should give us hope. Paul had an amazing testimony, but guess what? So do you. So do you. It may not be as dramatic as what we find in, in uh, like the book of Acts when we see Paul and, and Christ confronting Paul on the road to Damascus. It, your testimony may not seem like it's anything that, like that grand or that special, but it's still powerful. Because what happened? You and I were separated from our God. You and I were, were walking down the wrong path, and we could never swing it around on our own. But what happened? As we were spinning our wheels, Jesus broke through into our lives. Jesus broke through into our lives on his terms, doing his work, 
and calling us into a glorious future as part of God's family. That is an amazing testimony. That speaks of freedom. That speaks of God's glorious grace in our lives, in each of our lives. And that is something that we can share. And so the question is, question stands for the series, who is your one? Who is your one? Who is the one that you know needs prayer? Who is the one that you know needs encouragement during this difficult time that we're all walking through? Who is the one that needs to experience God's glorious grace through the gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ? Who needs that experience of meeting Jesus Christ face to face and having them be able to realize and recognize that, yes, I do need a savior. I do need a savior. Who is your one? Who is your one?